And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. I am back from vacation and I'm flying solo. This was going to be my reunion with Ari after a week off, but Ari texted me on Sunday and said, Things are things are not going well in the Wasserman household. Things are things are going downhill. Everybody's feeling terrible. Not sure I'm gonna have a voice. I, I think he's probably just tired from carrying this podcast feed last week. There were three Stars Matter episodes on Thursday alone. Three. And granted, it is the day Arch Manning committed to Texas. So that's a pretty big deal. But I am just amazed and really appreciative of, of the guys coming together. And banging out some really great shows. I've listened to them. Uh, the, the Ari and Mitch podcast where we learned that Ari was sitting on the couch with his shirt off when he learned that Arch Manning had committed to Texas. And then uh, the great recruiting roundtable with Mitch and Ari and Max Olson and Sam Khan Jr. And I feel like we hit the Arch Manning commitment from pretty much every angle. And I, I want to thank Arch Manning because I, I loved the way he committed to Texas. Loved it. Loved it because the man has never tweeted. He's got a Twitter feed. His first tweet just says, committed to the University of Texas. That's it. I love it. Very anticlimactic. Didn't drag anything out. Picked the school he wanted to go to. You, you know, I it was interesting hearing those guys talk. I, I think Mitch mentioned this and, and Max Olson mentioned this. The information void caused a lot of people to speculate and try to fill in the gaps we still don't really know exactly why it was Texas and 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 what the the rationale was behind that and not one of the the more recently successful programs but you know you get the sense that maybe Arch Manning doesn't want to be a cog in a wheel he wants to be a guy who kind of raises a program up and the, the dynamics are crazy. One of the best parts, I thought, of the Roundtable podcast, and if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. It's it's really good. Is talking about the dynamic with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning because Quinn Ewers was going to be the number one quarterback recruit in the class of 2022. He then reclassified in 2021 so he could go do NIL deals at Ohio State, and now he's at Texas. But that also changes the the interplay between him and Arch Manning, because let's say Quinn Ewers winds up winning the starting job this year at Texas. Well, if he's good, he could leave after the 2023 season. So Arch Manning could be a backup and then move into a starting job as a sophomore, that sort of thing. We, we don't know. We'll see. I don't get the sense that Arch Manning is one of those people that feels like he's got to play right now. I, I just don't. So I'm fascinated to see how that unfolds. And I have some thoughts about what it means for Texas, especially after talking to Sam Khan Jr. for our Texas State of the Program episode a few weeks ago. It, it, it got me thinking about this. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a California quarterback committing to a school in Florida. 
and he was considering two schools in Florida and that the, the dynamics of that are pretty interesting as well. But what that means in terms of dominoes falling. And then also we're going to answer some five-star questions from five-star listeners with five-star ears, because we said, if you ask us a question and leave a five-star review on the podcast, on Apple podcasts, we are going to answer your question. And we got some good ones. You, you guys always ask such great questions. There were a few I want to leave until Ari's healthy again, because I I need his perspective on these. And, and a few kind of Ari's questions that, that I felt like he's got to chime in on, because you know, you know how Ari asked the questions. It's always, would you give this up for the rest of your life? Or basically, would you run in fear from this for the rest of your life? So you're either going to give up some sort of delicious food for the rest of your life, or you're going to be running in fear from... Uh, Let's see, there was the killer turtle that can track you across the country. That was one of his uh, hypotheticals. There was the, you could wake up covered in peanut butter. There's a 5% chance that you'd wake up covered in peanut butter every day. So it's one of those kind of questions. I'm going to save that one for Ari, but we, we've got some good ones. But we got to talk QBs before we do that. I think the the Arch Manning news pretty much overshadowed everything that week I was on vacation. But... <sighs> It was interesting hearing the guys break it down a few days later because I don't have to, to be trapped in the moment, don't have to worry as much about the hyperbole. And the fact of the matter is, if Arch Manning's last name wasn't Manning, if he was a really good quarterback from New Orleans that was being recruited by Alabama, Georgia, Texas, all these schools that were recruiting him, then... We'd still think this was a big deal, but we wouldn't be putting out three podcasts on the day that that he commits. It wouldn't be as momentous as what Ari seems to, to believe it is for the University of Texas. And I don't know if it is or not. I do agree that it is a vote of confidence in the staff that Arch Manning says, hey, I like Steve Sarkeesian and his staff. I like what they're doing. I feel like there's a bright future there. Now, I don't know how bright the immediate future is. And again, for Arch Manning, that doesn't necessarily matter because he won't be there until next year. But I go back to that conversation I had with Sam. And if you haven't listened to our State of the Program episode on Texas, it came out a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, we didn't talk about Arch Manning being committed there. We did talk about them recruiting him. This takes a lot of pressure off Steve Sarkeesian right now because I think coming off of five and seven, coming off losing to Kansas, that was a terrible year. Anybody objectively will tell you that's a terrible year. He's got to do better than that. But this year could also be somewhat difficult. They should be better, but there's no guarantee that they're going to be great. They don't necessarily have a very good offensive line coming back. They have some very highly rated offensive linemen that they've signed, but most of them aren't on campus yet. They'll, they'll be on campus in the next you know, few well, they're they're probably on campus right now, and they'll be starting to practice with with preseason camp. So you probably aren't expecting much out of them right off the bat. They're older on the D line, but they don't have a lot of NFL prospects there. So I'm not looking at 2022 as the year that Texas football makes this huge step. Personally, I think they're fine now with just some incremental improvement, and it doesn't even have to be big. Because Steve Sarkeesian, the pressure was relieved the moment Arch Manning pressed the tweet button. Because here's what you can say. 
Let's say you go six and six, which is one win better than last season in a bowl game. Certainly not what you would have want at the University of Texas. Certainly not what you'd expect. But guess what? You can say we have Arch Manning coming. We have all these young offensive linemen who are very highly rated and we think they're going to be very good. All of a sudden, everything looks better. So again, that incremental improvement might not have been enough if you don't have Arch Manning on the way, but you do. And the, the Manning-Quinn Ewers piece of it, I think if you take two consecutive top-rated quarterbacks, there's a very good chance one of them is going to work out. I mean, you look at the history of the thing, and actually Grace Rayner at The Athletic went over the history of the top-rated quarterback for the last 20 years, basically. There's about a 50-50 shot they're going to turn out and turn out really good. So... I'd say the odds are, are in Texas's favor now that one of these guys is going to turn out good. And it's the biggest domino so far in the class of 2023, but the quarterback dominoes have been falling fast and furious. And on Sunday, you had another one fall. Jaden Rashada, quarterback out of Pittsburgh, California. He'd been a five-star. Now he's a, a four-star, kind of right on the cusp of five-star, but a very highly rated quarterback, a top 10 in the country type quarterback. He committed to Miami. Now, his recruitment had gone in a way that it looked like he was headed to Oregon. Then that changed a little bit. Then it was looked like he was kind of, it looked like he was headed to Florida. Then it became kind of a Florida Miami standoff, and he picks Miami. And they're very happy the Canes uh, got their guy. Now, he's not the first quarterback to commit to Miami this week. Emory Williams from, from Milton, Florida in the panhandle, he's a three-star guy. He committed to Miami earlier. Now, I don't, does that mean they're both going? Does that mean that Jake Garcia, who was one of the, the, the highly rated quarterback recruit they signed last year, does that mean he's going somewhere? Uh, we'll find out. But if they're both coming, then that would suggest that they may be competing to replace Tyler Van Dyke if Tyler Van Dyke has a really good, really good year and goes to the NFL. So you've got that situation, and that's that's Mario Cristobal's first big quarterback signee, if assuming he signs, but all indications are he will. Josh Gaddis, we'll see what that offense looks like, but they're very excited in Miami, and they beat Florida head-to-head for a recruit. So you've got on Twitter – the back and forth between those fan bases over the last few weeks has been pretty hilarious to watch. And now the, the Miami fans, they have the scoreboard and they're, they're, they're throwing in the Florida fans faces, but we'll see because I, I was texting with Alan Taylor, the, the athletics Florida beat writer on Sunday. And I, I find it very interesting because the dynamics of this have all changed. Even a couple of years ago, if this had happened with Florida, you wonder what they do now. Because they have Anthony Richardson, and he looks like a capable starting quarterback, and, and you'll see. But the thing is, this is his third year. If he is indeed a capable starting quarterback because he's 6'5 and 240 and has a big arm, then he may be gone after this year. Because if he's capable, the NFL is going to be like, oh, he's capable and has all the physical attributes we want. So they may only get a year of him as a starter. They've got Jack Miller who is a, a big-time quarterback prospect who signed with Ohio State and then transferred. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But the thought is you got to get one of these guys every year, and if you don't, you're, you're behind the eight ball. And basically, the, the top 10 quarterbacks 
in this class are spoken for. Really, really the, the top 15 are spoken for. There's a couple who haven't committed yet. Dante Moore, who's a, a quarterback from Detroit. It looks like he's headed to Oregon. We shall see. We haven't seen an announcement yet. And uh, Dylan Lonergan from Snellville, Georgia. He is supposed to announce within the next week or so. He was at Stanford over the weekend. He's looked at South Carolina, but he's also a big baseball prospect. He's a pitcher, would like to play quarterback and pitcher wherever he goes. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But there's just not a lot out there once these dominoes fall. So for Florida and Billy Napier, you know, what, what do you do now? Well, I don't think it's as dire a situation as it would have been two, three, four, five years ago. Because now you say, okay, if Anthony Richardson has a great year, if it appears he's headed to the NFL, then you just grab somebody out of the portal. You, you see who lights up a, a group of five league and say, you want to be the starting quarterback of the Florida Gators? And there's a chance that somebody's going to say yes. So it is not as, as tough of a situation as it would have been prior to the transfer rule changing. So we'll see what, that, what, what happens from now on. We'll see if these dominoes fall. I know the guys on the round table talked about, okay, how disastrous would it have to be at Texas for, for Arch Manning to not sign? Because remember, none of these guys have to sign. They, they have until December, and we'll see what they actually do. I, I would imagine Arch Manning did not make this decision lightly, and, and it would take probably complete grease fire for anything like that to happen. And I, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Like I said, I think this takes pressure off Steve Sarkeesian much more than it puts any pressure on or or requires any expectation of Texas being back right now. Texas doesn't have to be back. They can say, look, what's what's in the pipeline? And, you know, you can't always say that. But in, in this particular case, I, I think there's a good chance that this – eases a little bit of the burden on Steve Sarkeesian to be much better this year. They don't have to be much better. They, they need to be a little bit better, and, and they'll be fine. So we'll see what happens with the quarterbacks as we go. But that was a very, very interesting few days in quarterback recruiting land. And you know, by the end of the next week or so, we could see the entire quarterback landscape taken care of in, in the top 15 or 20 quarterbacks for the class of 2023. They, they, the dominoes may have all fallen. So we will wait and see if, if the season changes any of that. But as of right now, we got a pretty good idea where everybody's going. Thanks to Arch Manning and his, his magical tweet. Cause uh, it's funny. You look at the Jaden Rashada commitment. He had scheduled one. It was going to be live on, on CBS HQ. He pushed it to a different date, you know, and, and then, I think it was Mike Farrell, one of the, the big recruiting analysts, who said, oh, don't be surprised if he changes the date again. And, and meanwhile, Arch Manning doesn't tell anybody when he's going to commit, at least nobody publicly, and then just drops it in a tweet. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty spectacular. And I very much enjoyed watching the, the instant reaction to that as I was on vacation and not having to, uh, to cover it. So it was fun. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let us go to your questions now. You have asked some phenomenal ones as usual and I really appreciate everybody who leaves a review who listens to this podcast, who tells a friend about it. Yeah, you guys are the ones that keep us going. And it, it just it makes me so happy when I hear somebody say, you know, thanks for getting me through my drive. Thanks for getting me through walking my dog. It is, it's awesome because I, I'm a big podcast believer as well. I, I you know, I want to get everybody listening to podcasts and uh, I like, like having the, the on-demand aspect of it. And so you, you've got, I guarantee you got some friends and relatives who don't even listen to podcasts right now, go tell them about this show. Tell them, tell them they can have some fun. They can listen to, to college football talk. They can hear Ari make very grand pronouncements that some school is going to be back when they're maybe not going to be back. Uh, they can answer in, insane hypotheticals. We, we do a lot of that on the show. And uh, occasionally we will divert into food because that's, that's just what we do. But I do appreciate all these questions. And again, uh, we, we stole this concept from Michael Jr. I'm glad we did because I love the questions we've been getting. Let us, uh, let's answer some. So EDUB Mora 74 loves the show, says go Cougs. Wondering what our thoughts are on Houston's chances of becoming a power in the new Big 12. Here's what he said. Hear me out. Location, location, location. Houston high school football is an insane, and the ability to get transfers with immediate eligibility is huge if a Houston kid wants to come back home. I think the resources are there and will continue to grow. We're easier to get into compared to Baylor and TCU, and the facilities continue to improve. The basketball program has become a national power. Am I crazy to think the football team has a chance as well? So I, I really like this question because – the new Big 12 fascinates me. It is a group of schools that all care very deeply about football. And the new ones coming in have been good at another level. And then you give them a little more recruiting cachet. Now everybody say, okay, you take Texas and Oklahoma out. It's not going to be the same thing. No, it probably isn't going to be the same thing. But look, 
They still care a lot about college football at Oklahoma State, at Baylor, at TCU, at Texas Tech, you know, at Kansas State, at Iowa State. These are going to be programs that intend to keep on winning. Like Oklahoma State, as long as Mike Gundy's there, they're going to be a good program. Baylor, well, the last three coaches have either won the Big 12 title or taken, to, taken them to a Big 12 title game. And TCU, look at where they are. That program has all the tools to be good. And so Houston, I would agree, has a chance to come into the new Big 12 and be an excellent football program. I think, you know, Dana Holgerson leaves West Virginia for Houston. They paid him well. And obviously, things were not going as well at the end at West Virginia for him. But I think a lot of it was the possibility that something like this might happen. And I've talked to Chris Pesman, their athletic director, and obviously they, they were trying to spend as if they were already in the Big 12 because they felt like that made them the best possible candidate if the Big 12 ever decided to expand again. And so they did. And I'm not sure Houston would have been one of the schools admitted to the league had they not kind of acted as if all along because they weren't adding a media market necessarily because the, you know the, they there already are Texas schools, people in Houston. There are Baylor fans, TCU fans, Texas Tech fans in Houston. So it wasn't necessarily adding a market so much as they had become a good football brand. And the facilities are better. They, they've built new stadium, new indoor practice facility. The surrounding area, the talent, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better city for talent in America. It's, it's basically Houston, South Florida, and Atlanta are the, the most talent-rich football populations in America. And so the idea that, yes, you can get guys to like Ed Oliver, prime example, wanted to stay home, liked, you know, he's from Houston, wanted to play in Houston, loved it. And so, yes, you can get some of those guys. And the bounce back thing is a real possibility because they may want to come back and say, you know what, I'm homesick, or this was not what I thought it was with the whatever school they signed with. And they want to pop on back. Dana Holgerson has an opportunity here. They, they, he really does. And so I, I will be very interested to see how much they can take advantage of that. Does it bump up their recruiting? And we'll find out over the next year or so because they are entering the league in 2023. So basically, you know, this, this class right now can get in, but that, you know, when most of this class was getting started getting recruited, you didn't know exactly when that was going to happen. So this next class would be guaranteed to be in the Big 12 the entire time it's there, the, the 2024 class. And this is right now when all of those guys are being recruited in earnest, the beginning of their recruitment. So does that bump them up? Does, but conversely, what about UCF? What about Cincinnati? What about BYU? Does it change the caliber of recruit they're getting too? Because these are all programs I feel like could come in and compete right away in the Big 12. And that's that's the part I want to see. And I, at the moment, we don't know exactly how long Texas and Oklahoma are going to be there. They, they have to be in the SEC by 2025. That's the, the Big 12 TV contract will run out. The grant of rights will expire. They can leave after June 2025. I suspect that reasonable people can make an arrangement that allows them to go to the SEC in 2024 if it makes the remaining Big 12 members a few bucks more than it would. But 
I don't know that you go much further than that. So you have the possibility of playing of those four new ones playing in the league with Texas and Oklahoma at least for at least a year. We'll see how good Texas and Oklahoma get with, with their new situations. But if Cincinnati keeps recruiting the way they have under Luke Fickle and developing the way they have, who's to say they can't come in and win that league right off the bat? You know, UCF, the talent is there for Gus Malzahn. We'll see what he can do with it, but they can absolutely build a program there that can win the, the Big 12 championship and same for Dana Holgerson at Houston. So I, I do think it's a very good question and very much a possibility. You know, it, this is this is not a situation where like Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, they're going to have to climb a hill. You know, they're going to have to find a way to put themselves on the same level as Alabama and Georgia if they'd like to win titles. Meanwhile, you've got LSU, Florida, Texas A&M, Auburn, Tennessee, programs that have done this before, all trying to do the same thing too. So that that barrier to entry is much higher, I think. In the Big 12, I feel like these guys can come in and have a chance. I don't know that it means they're suddenly going to be better consistently than Oklahoma State. I'd say Oklahoma State of the, the remaining programs has been the most consistent over time, though Baylor of recent vintage and the way Dave Aranda is, is recruiting and coaching, I think there's a chance Baylor could be the best of the bunch. So it is going to be an absolute blast to watch. I, I'm, I'm convinced it's going to be the most fun league to watch week to week because you're going to have, I think you're going to start seasons with like eight teams that have a realistic shot of winning the conference title. And that's going to create some great games and some great matchups. So I'm excited for it. I, I know a lot of people say, oh, Texas and Oklahoma left. Big 12 is not going to be fun to watch. No, no, no. It's going to be fun to watch. I, I, I can't wait for it. Let's go to another question. Uh, this is this is about parenting. and uh, But also college football. Ari and I do delve into to parenting quite a bit. We, <laughs> we had uh, quite a discussion if you if you listen all the way to the end of the podcast the other day about what music do you play, what TV shows do you play in front of your children, and Ari, who has a, a baby who cannot speak yet, is saying, "Oh, I can I can play all this rap and I can I can watch all these movies." Yeah, you can do that now, but once your kids one and a half, two years old, and just repeating everything, you're not going to be doing that anymore. But this is Triple J seventy seven, and this is a really interesting question. I've been a diehard Nebraska fan my whole life, but my wife and I recently had a baby. I plan to indoctrinate him into being a Cornhusker like myself, but now I'm having second thoughts. Is it cruel to doom my four-month-old to a lifetime of sadness and disappointment, or will it be a good lesson? Is it realistic to expect Nebraska will win a championship within his lifetime? On a related note, he would love a spinoff parenting podcast with me and Ari. The balance of brand new and experienced dad is too good. Look forward to the topic whenever it comes up. I agree. I, I think it's fun because of the mix of experience for us. You know, my kids are about to become teenagers. Ari's got a baby. So he's going through all these things that that we went through. And it, honestly, and, and I think parents of tweens and teens probably feel the same way. It feels like ancient history to me now. I can't, I, maybe I just didn't sleep through or any or didn't get any sleep. And, and that's why it feels like it. I can't even remember any of it, but it, it 
when Ari goes through it, it jogs my memory or when, when any of my friends who are recently become parents, when they go through this, it does jog my memory a little bit. But this question about, do you indoctrinate your kid as a corn husker? One, I don't know that you can make them love the school that you love. I think they'll, they'll kind of pick up on it. Yeah. I, I found with my kids. So we, we live in, in Gainesville, Florida. I don't, my wife and I both went to Florida. Neither of us say, Hey, you need to love the Gators or anything like that. Now, everybody there around is saying that, that all their teachers, all the, their classmates, that sort of thing. So they sort of pick it up by osmosis. So it may depend on where you live. Now, if you are, if you're in Nebraska, your kid's going to become a Nebraska fan. I, I think there's a real good chance of that. But if you're somewhere else, it may be what they're around. It may be the people that they're exposed to who kind of help guide their fandom. I, I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. I was a South Carolina fan growing up. And my, my mom went to Alabama. And you know, she, But she didn't try to push me one way or the other. It just sort of happened that way. So... It'll be it'll be interesting to see because I think what Triple J is is concerned about is it won't be the same experience that Triple J grew up with. So if you're a Nebraska fan of a certain age, you've seen absolute dominance by your team. You've seen them win national titles, and maybe some depending on your age. I don't know how old Triple J is. If Triple J is in you know early, late 30s, early 40s, then then the first memories could be of national championships and and you you think that's what it's all going to be your whole life and then it's just been pain for the last 10 years or so i i don't know what's going to happen with nebraska i i tend to think that the nil era transfer portal era could be good for nebraska because i do think when you have the players transferring it's not as much I want to be close to home or I want to be where these other top flight recruits are, where they're, where they're kind of clustering together. It's I'm about business. Where can I go? That's going to maximize me where they care about football. We're going to put resources into this thing. And you get on campus in Nebraska, you're going to see that. that that's obvious. That's what they want to do. Now, does that mean they're going to be the best program in the Big Ten or, or they're going to consistently compete for national championships? Again, I don't know about that. I, I think it's that's going to be hard. I think the the way the dynamics have changed, it it's still probably the Ohio States and the Georgias and the Alabamas and, and those sorts of schools. But I do think Nebraska can be better than it has been. And I do think it, it can be a program that is capable of competing for the Big Ten title every once in a while. And if you can compete for the Big Ten title, let's be perfectly honest, you can compete for the national title. So I will be curious to see what, what happens this year. They've basically given Scott Frost a deadline. He's got basically the first half of the season to get it right or they're going to can him. And then do if, if they decide to, to make a change, how do they handle that? How do they handle that recruiting strategy? Because I do think, they have an opportunity to carve out a new one. Now, Scott Frost could be involved in that as well. He, Let's say he gets things going and they're better and he stays. They have the opportunity to get good players there. It just may be in a little bit different fashion, a little bit different track than, than, than they used to. And it's, you know, and, and they were good at doing it differently before. So you, what you've got is a program that back in the day had this huge walk-on program. You know, they, 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 
they handled they, they ran the option. They did things differently then, and it worked for them. They found a way that worked for them. The way that you get Nebraska back to being competitive nationally is you find something that that works for Nebraska, and you know we've seen it. We did, I always make the comparison with Wisconsin, where Barry Alvarez essentially figured out what the identity of Wisconsin should be and then just did it over and over again and then kept hiring coaches as the AD who would do it over and over again, and it has worked. So Nebraska hasn't hit upon the thing that will work in this era of college football. The good news is this is a new era of college football as of this past year going forward. So everybody's trying to just figure it out right now, and maybe Nebraska is one of those that that can figure it out. So, you know, Triple J, I, I would just... Let's see where the cards fall. Now, one other dynamic that I am curious about going forward, and I don't know how this is going to work because I look, I, I am an old, I'm in my, I'm heading further deeper into my mid forties. And I grew up at a time when your team was your team and you didn't just jump from team to team. I do sense that younger people tend to follow players more than teams, at least in the pro sports. And you've seen where NBA free agency, NFL free agency has become essentially its own sport. And, you know, people kind of pick who their favorite players are and bounce from team to team with the players. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I I, I understand how that works and it's not how I would do it, but I do get why you'd feel that way, especially if you've grown up in an environment where that's how this works. So maybe college football with more freedom of movement Maybe that's what happens. Maybe you pick your favorite player and you just sort of follow that player. So the, the question is, will Triple J's kid be a fan of, of a school or will, will that kid decide this is my favorite player right now, so I'm a fan of this school and this is my favorite player right now after this that person goes to the NFL, so I'm going to be a fan of this school. I'm going to buy a jersey from this school. I don't know. I, I don't know how it works in the next 10, 15 years because – I, I do feel like in, you know you watch the NBA now. If you're a twenty something, thirty something who watches the NBA, how tightly connected are you to your team? Now, maybe you grew up in Philly, you're a diehard Sixers fan. But what if you didn't? What if you didn't grow up in a city that had an NBA team, but you're a giant Joel Embiid fan? You're, maybe you're a diehard Sixers fan now, and if he somehow wound up on some other team, then then you'd be a diehard fan of that team. I don't know. I. I, I want to see how that that shakes out as we get deeper into this because it's it, it's really hard to tell what's going to happen. So I just I I you know I hope for your sake that this kid is a big Nebraska fan and you just get to share that as he grows up and and share those memories and and you can call and talk about games when you're older and and your kids older. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And so good luck. And Ari and I will, uh, we'll get to work on that parenting podcast. We'll see. Yeah, I, I imagine there's some advertisers. There's a lot of products out there that the baby industrial complex never stops. So maybe we need to get some of, some of that ad revenue in with a different podcast. I, I think I, I kicked this around my friend, Dan Rubenstein, who also is a fairly new dad, uh, a podcast called big dad energy, but unfortunately that's already taken. So uh, the, the best name probably gone. We'll be right back after these words. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, we got time for one more five-star question. This is a long, well, it's a long suggestion with a short question. So we'll do the question first, and then we'll discuss the suggestion because there's some pretty good suggestions in here. And if you listen last week, we're going to do more of this. So hold on one second, and let's get to the question. So this is from B-Rabbit, who I guess is a a Detroit rapper. Uh, I'm I'm just assuming here. Uh, Also. B rabbit seems to have some animosity toward Michigan. So I'm, I'm assuming maybe Michigan state fan. I I don't know, but big fan of the show. Yada, yada, yada. Ari hates Michigan state. Yada, yada, yada. I think that's, that's probably where we're going here. But the question is what, if any, is the story behind the hot dog logo on the show logo? So this is the hot dog, the neon hot dog on the helmet. And that's a great question. I don't know where it came from. Some amazing artist who worked for The Athletic about a year ago, and I'm not sure it still works there. I got to find out, created this logo. We had we had a different logo before. The idea is kind of a neon sign. It's supposed to be like a bar sign, basically, that, that combines my two favorite things in the world, football and food. And so the original one was kind of a neon sign. It was a little more tropical looking, kind of neon greens. I think there was a little pink in there too, but it had a football and, and had some food. This one, I felt though, really encapsulated what the show was about with the football helmet and the, the hot dog low helmet sticker, neon hot dog helmet sticker. And it's, it's tremendous. Uh, so I need to do a little more homework on this, figure out where where that came from, and we need to give that person their due. We can't we can't have this be like the person who designed the Nike swoosh and got like twenty five bucks, and that was the end of that. We, we need to we need to properly honor this great artiste because it is really cool. I, I love this logo. So, B Rabbit also suggested a bunch of games that we need to look at for our rewatch series, our the rewatch party. I ripped off the rewatchables concept from the ringer. I have no shame. We've established that I ripped off the five-star question thing from Mike Gullett Jr.'s podcast. So uh, by all means, you should be listening to these, these shows as well, because they are tremendous. And, and so, you know, with the, with the ringer ones, it's, it's, they go back and, and watch blood sport or karate kid or whatever. We decided to do it with classic college football games. We had a blast. If you've not heard the ones last week, by all means, go back and listen, because it was so much fun. We did the second and 26 Alabama Georgia national championship game. We did the Vince young, Matt liner, Reggie Bush, Texas USC Rose bowl national championship game. And then we did the 2015 Michigan state, Ohio state game, which was pretty fun. That was the one 
I wasn't sure how that was going to be received because it was not as momentous as the other games. But I just remember it being a huge deal when it happened. It's still one of the more surprising results of that decade for me. And then having Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman who covered that game to explain what was going on there. And Ari who asked the the question that set off Ezekiel Elliott and, and generated headlines for an entire week after that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So B rabbit suggests a couple that are my colleagues at the athletic also suggest Max Olson. And I had a, a long text exchange last week about what we need to do the next time we do this. Uh, I've said, we got to do the Boise state, Oklahoma Fiesta bowl. That's one of my favorite games. I happen to be lucky enough to be there at that game. So that's one we're going to do. We're going to do the kick six eventually. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State 2006 has gotten a lot of suggestions. A lot of folks have brought that up. And I do think that's a great one because it's, it's a just a classic matchup in that series. At the time, everyone assumed Ohio State was the best team in the country. Now, they, they went on to lose to Florida in the national title game. That, that Florida-Ohio State title game, I think, is what made the SEC the SEC. I would, I, I've, I've said this before. I think the, the modern SEC was created when Jarvis Moss, the Florida defensive end, sat at his locker after that game and said that they played five better teams in the SEC that season than Ohio State. I, I think the modern SEC was born that moment. But at the time, this is five weeks earlier. Remember, because this, this was not Thanksgiving weekend. It was a weekend before Thanksgiving. Michigan-Ohio State, Bo Schembechler passes away the week of the game. Number one versus number two. They play an instant classic. I definitely think that is a game that we need to revisit. That one, now, B-Rabbit, like I said, pretty clearly a Michigan State fan, wants the trouble with the snap game from 2015. And, and it's interesting because I, I feel like we should maybe we should have combined trouble with the snap with Michigan State, Ohio State from 2015, and then, and then we'll combine the miracle at Jordan-Hare and the kick-six game for Auburn in 2013. Because I, I just, it's hard when you have a team that the same season had two just monumental games, but I do think those, those would be good games to do. The other one that B rabbit suggested that Max Olson and I were, were very fired up about. And I think, you know, we may, that may be the, this may be the next one we do is the 2009 Texas, Nebraska big 12 championship game. So I was lucky enough to be at that game too. And Dominican Sue just single-handedly demolishing the Texas offense. This is a Texas team that, that played for the national title that was really good all season, that was really good on offense. And and Dominican Sue just, just destroyed that offense. And then you had the, the one second added back on the clock. Bo Pelini just furious. Uh, Nebraska on the way out of the league shortly after that. It was there, there was a lot going on in that game. And I do think that's one that we absolutely need to revisit. There, there's so many different tentacles to that game. But at the core of it, I think it's the most dominant performance I've ever seen by a single player in a game. And I say that as someone who was at the Vince Young Rose Bowl. Like, that's hard to top. But what Indomitian Sue did in that Texas-Nebraska Big 12 championship game might have topped it. And I, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I do think that's, that's probably true. Because I don't know, you go back and watch, look at his stat line from that season. He was playing nose most of the season 
and wound up leading the, I believe he led the country in tackles for loss. He definitely led the team. Yeah, I think he led the team in tackles. Like leading the team in tackles from, from nose guard is just impossible, but he did it. So that's one I definitely want to do. If you've got other suggestions, by all means, drop them in your five-star review. Hit me up on Twitter at Andy underscore Staples. Instagram at Andy underscore Staples. I don't know if you need the at, but it's Andy underscore Staples on Instagram. And we're going to do more of those, probably a couple more this summer before we get to the season. And obviously, once the season starts, we're going to be just headlong. It's going to be wild. There's going to be news going like crazy. We've got a lot to talk about. It, it Coming off vacation, it's crazy to think that we are just a few weeks from all the media days starting. This is going to feel like the offseason just flew by because there was so much news. We haven't done the traditional kind of chew on every game. So we have a lot to talk about. We've barely scratched the surface with the teams that are going to be playing this season, actually playing college football this season. And I can't wait for that. So we'll be starting to get you ready for all of that. We'll be following all the recruiting drama that's going on. We'll have Ari asking crazy hypothetical questions. Hopefully he will be healthy enough to return to the podcast soon. And we can, we can ask that five-star question about what we'd rather give up. Cause there's, there's a couple food groups on there that I, I really need to know which one, which one Ari would rather give up. It's, it, he doesn't have two children yet. He only has the one, but my guess is when he has multiples, this will be like Sophie's choice. So we will find out, but we've got a big week in store for you. Ari will be back at some point. I need to break down the Arch Manning commitment with him. I don't know that you can talk about him enough. You got the last name Manning. People want to talk about you. That's just how it goes. But maybe the maybe my favorite commitment ever. You know, I I loved when Isaiah Crowell committed to Georgia with the puppy. That was pretty awesome. But a Manning family member who has been pretty quiet the whole time just randomly dropping his first tweet. I'm going to Texas. I love it. It was very cool. Keep up the five-star questions. Keep listening. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.